discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're welcome to another glorious Sunday morning service um, here with us live on YouTube. And uh, I know that you're going to be blessed. I know that you've been, you've been blessed already with the praises, with the, with the opening prayer and everything. I want to still continue sharing with you. I think this is part 10 of uh, what to do with the first coming of our Lord and say, I, I think we should stop because we've gone for so long. So we'll stop on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we'll just we'll just bring it to an end, and then we'll open an opportunity for you to ask questions. So for for the next Sunday and the next Wednesday, we are going to have a question and answer session. Okay. So if you have a question, you can start sending it in quickly so that we can answer your question before um, um, you know Sunday. As soon as we pick we pick the questions up, you also be first or second or third. So you can start sending in your questions right away. Hallelujah. So, um, I've been sharing concerning uh, awakening to the fact that you are a servant of God. A lot of people are actually asleep along this line. It's so sad. A lot of Christians, so many Christians are asleep along this line. You know, and uh, God wants you to awaken to this particular reality. Because God has rewards for you. If you read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says that for God is not unrighteous to forget your work. It says to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Whatever you do for the Lord, he will not forget. He's not unrighteous to forget. He's not like man to forget. Whatever you do for him, whatever you do for him, there's a reward for it. You see. And he has so many rewards prepared for you and I to inherit in his kingdom. So he wants you to awaken to it. One of the major things that can prevent you is sleep. I'm not talking about physical sleep. I'm talking about sleeping spiritually. You know, you can be asleep in all the spirit. Like you are not aware of all that is going on. You go to church, all right, you come home, everything, but then... You are, you are asleep. You are spiritually asleep. There's spiritual blindness, there's spiritual lameness, there's spiritual dumbness, and there's spiritual sleep. You can be asleep spiritually. That's why I've been using that word, awaken to. Awaken to. You have to come to the realization of it. But this thing is real. You know, this thing is real. It's real. One day you stand before the Lord, whether you like it or not. No matter who you are. There's a politician in Ghana who just passed on. Um, some, I think during the week or so, you know, and uh, I don't know if he ever thought he would pass on and meet his Lord. When I heard it, I said, he's going to meet his Lord. Whether I like it or not, you meet your Lord. 
you know, and what are you going to say? I think this is the single most important thing that you should be thinking about in your life, you see. And you should find answers to. Amazingly, the questions are asked in the scriptures and answers to those questions are given in the scriptures. It's so easy. It's so simple and so easy. Yet so many people fail the exam. So many people are failing the exam. Even though the questions have been given and the answers have been given to the questions. Just study and come and see. You won't study. People say that it's not true. Well, when you go, you see that it is true. I remember years ago, you know, one of our wonderful young men passed on. Great, great, wonderful young man, you know, working for the Lord. And I was not sad because I felt I'd done my job in his life because I told him what to do. Like Paul said, I've given you all the counsel of God. And he had not just heard, he had done something about it. He did something about it. You see, he did something about it. He worked for God with his life. He did all he could, preaching whichever opportunity could present itself to him, you know, and helping in the house of God and doing all that he could. So it wasn't a big deal that he had passed on because I knew that he could say something to his Lord. The short life he had here on earth had been used to do something for the Lord. He had given his life over to learning these things and putting them to work. If you read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, look at Matthew 7, 22. There's many who say to me, Lord, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied night? Go to verse 21. It's not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know, there's another, go back, let's read the message of that. Verse 21. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my Father wills. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. So, there's another version that says that if you call me Lord, then do what I say for you to do. Okay, if you call me Lord, then do what I say you should do. Hallelujah. So it's not just about saying Lord, Lord, but doing what he wants you to do. Doing the Father's will. That's the most important thing. Doing what he says you should do. Hallelujah. So awaken to that reality. Awaken to the reality that you have a service, okay, to the Lord in his vineyard. Let's look at Mark chapter 13, verse 34. Mark 13, 34. It says, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Next verse. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Have you seen it? And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. It says, lest when he comes, he find you sleeping. This is to Christians. If you've noticed the context, read from there. Let's go back to verse 34 where we're reading. It says, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Jesus Christ, right? He's like a man taking a far journey. Who left his house? What is his house? The church. You and I. And gave authority to his servants. Who are his servants? You and I, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Then he says, Look at the next verse. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight, 
or at the cock crowing or in the morning now this is not only in reference to the coming of the lord in the air remember the first part of the second coming this is not just in reference to that it has to reference to everyone who will pass on every christian who will leave this earth before that day comes because the day you pass on you see and you don't know whether you pass on in the morning how many you know like you go in the morning early 5 a.m they are gone <laughs> nobody knows you don't know whether you go in the evening in the afternoon at dawn that's what he's talking about you don't know you know that but you you will not be here forever whether by rapture or by death brother sister you'll not be here forever it is wisdom to number your days yes. it says teach us to number our days so important you see next verse verse 36 then he says less coming suddenly he find you sleeping so he says watch watch be on the alert awaken to this reality in other words don't fall asleep spiritually speaking because it's one of the things that can make you go for a very long time without being active in the things of god god expects you to be active in him remember he says he gave apostles prophets and all those people for perfecting the saints for skilled servant work for them to do skilled servant work in the body of christ he's expecting all of us to be in active service whether you like it or not whether you know it or not god is expecting you you know to be in active service and he's going to ask you on that day he will ask you paul said knowing the child of the lord we want every man you see he's going to ask you what did you do with your life what did you do how did you spend your life how did you spend your time if you read in romans chapter 13 look at romans 13 from verse 11. romans 13. a similar thing is written there it says and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep it is time to awake out of sleep like charlie brothers and sisters become active this is the time to wake up it's not time to be sleeping spiritually speaking you see you are awake you are alive to every other thing in your life apart from the things of god no it's not supposed to be like that you have to be awake spiritually ready and willing to do whatever god wants you to do keep your finger here go to first corinthians chapter 15 let's read verse 58 first corinthians 15 oh hallelujah it says therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the lord have you seen it always abounding in the work of the lord always abounding always increasing ever going higher and higher find out what god wants and get it done don't wait for for us to move and say that oh, we need this no Tap into the mind of God. Get to know what God wants. And start moving. He says, abound in it. Let's read the Amplified. The Amplified is nice. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted. Or to no purpose. Have you seen it? Yeah. Always being superior. Excelling. Doing more than enough. In the service of the Lord. You see. So whether the season is appropriate or not. Makes no difference. You know that he wants you to share the gospel with people. 
brothers and sisters, rise up to that reality. Because after all is said and done, that is the only thing that will matter. After all is said and done, what you did for him is what will matter. Okay, so go back to Romans chapter 13. He wants you to awake out of sleep. From verse 11. He says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What salvation is he talking about? He's talking about the salvation of the body. At the coming of our Lord, at the appearing of our Lord. The salvation, the changing of our body. He says, wake out of sleep. Because can you imagine that all the things that you're doing for the Lord will reflect in your body? I shared it with you when we are talking about resurrection. Resurrection of the dead. It will show up in your body. All that you did. All that you did for him will show up in your resurrected body. So he says, I wake out of sleep. Because for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It is nearer. So if you've been fooling around, he says, stop fooling around. I wake to the fact, the reality, that you have a ministry in God. You have a calling in God. Start responding to it. Your fellowship with the Spirit should become higher and higher. You see, maybe you've been reading the word of God casually. He wants you to become very active. Because you never know. You never know. You never know when the Lord will call you back. That you have to come back. Or you never know when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will appear in the heavens. And say, it is finished. Everybody come. It's okay. I'm done. My body is okay now. Everybody come. You see, look at verse 12. Romans 13, 12. It says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It is cast off the works of darkness. Like it's not time to be messing up. It's not time to be, to be fooling around. It's time to live for the Lord with your life. <laughs> this is the time to live for the Lord with your life. Remember, serving him has to do with living for him, first of all, before working for him. If you are working for him, you are not living for him. He says you are a work of iniquity. Can you imagine? Yeah. The night is fast spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We have an armor of light. He says, put that armor. He's talking about the armor, the whole armor of God. It's called the armor of light. You see. Next verse, verse, verse 13. We've taught you on all these things during this period, if you remember. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Let's read the Amplified. We don't understand. Let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day. Not in reveling, carousing, and drunkenness. Wild life. That's what you thought. Like having a wild life. You're a Christian who is into all kinds of things. You are into nightlife. The time for those things have passed. That's what he's trying to tell you. Not in immorality and debauchery, sensuality and licentiousness. Not in quarreling and jealousy. Can you imagine? Not in quarreling and jealousy. Verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof. Remember, you can't work for him if you are not walking with him. You see, your walk is as important as your work. So don't just get into work. Work. I'm just working for the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm preaching. I'm doing this. If you are preaching and doing this, then your life is not correct. He's warning you. He wants your love for him to be intact. He wants you to live for him. Live for him. Jesus said that the, the prince of this world cometh and he has nothing in me. Does he have something in you? Is there something of the world that is inside you? Or is with you? Rather. 
Hallelujah. So stop sleeping. If you have a neighbor by you, tell your neighbor, stop sleeping. Awaken to the reality of your service to the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 4 all the way to verse 8. It says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I'm not a child of the darkness. I'm a child of the light. Because my father is light and I'm light. He says he calls me the light of the world. So he's just re-echoing the, the fact of God's word in your life. There are things that God has said about you. I told you that you should be awakened to what God has made you in Christ, isn't it? That was the first thing we shared. It's one of the things. Then he goes on to verse 6 and says, Therefore let us not sleep. Because we are the children of light, he says, let us not sleep. As do others, but let us watch and be sober. There are others, there are other children of light who sleep. He says, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Like be on your toes, awaken to the reality of the fact that you have to work for the Lord. The fact that you have to live for the Lord. Because you never know. You never know. When the Lord will say, it's okay. My son, come. I want you up here. Come. You never know. There's nothing written on anybody's face that shows that you live up to 95. It's not written on anybody's face. It's not. We put our faith to work for that. Yeah, we all do. You see. So you never know when it's going to call. You don't say, I have time. Are you sure? Who told you you have time? Next verse. Verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. He's always talking about the armor of God when he talks about you not sleeping. You see, in the other places, let us put on the armor of light. In this place, he's talking about some of the pieces of the armor, the whole armor of God. He talks about the breastplate of faith. There's a breastplate of righteousness, okay, that has one breast being love and the other breast being faith. Yeah, it's a breastplate that covers from your neck down to your loins. But then on one part of the breastplate is love and then the other part is faith. That's what he's talking about. Then he says, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. That one we know. The, the helmet is always the helmet of salvation, which is um, your assurance of what Christ has done for you and the fact that if you should appear today, you will appear with him and not being afraid. Up to date, there are Christians who sleep and have dreams of being left behind. You don't have the hope of salvation as a helmet on. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. Hallelujah. So awaken to the, the fact, the reality, okay, of your service to the Lord. And don't sleep. Stop sleeping, basically. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Stop sleeping and awaken to the reality. Awaken to the fact that you are in a race. That's the next thing I want to share with you. Awaken to the fact that you are in a race for rewards. Awaken to the fact that you are in a race for rewards. So all this is under awaken to the fact that you are a servant of God. Okay? As a servant of God, you must know that you are in a race. You are in a race. So it's actually not according to your pace. No, it's not according to your pace. There's a race that we are all in. Everybody's running their race, whether you know it or not. There's a reward for you. And that reward is given to you after you run your race. You know, and the Apostle Paul was so conscious of this particular fact. 
and he documented so many things about it that I want to show you. So look at First Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read from verse 22. First Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 22. Awakens the fact that you are in a race for rewards. Okay? It says, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Next verse. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. I don't know if you get it. Let's read this in the Amplified. It says, And I do this for the sake of the good news, the gospel, in order that I may become a participator in it and share in its blessings along with you. Can you imagine? Paul says, I'm all things to all men, so that I can save some. And I'm doing it for the sake of the good news, in order that I may become a participator in it, in the good news, and share in its blessings along with you. Share in this inheritance. There's an inheritance of the gospel. There's an inheritance for being a proclaimer of the gospel. That's what he's talking about. And he says he wants to share in that particular inheritance. That is why he's doing the things he's doing. So he goes to the next verse, verse 24. Look at verse 24. He says, Knowing not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, then he says, So run that you may obtain. Can you imagine? He says that, don't you know that in a race, all those who run in a race run, or so many people run, but one, only one, receives the prize. So run, you, run your race so that you may obtain. Obtain what? So that you may obtain the prize. The word obtain is lambano, so that you may seize on the prize. Then he goes on to say, next verse, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things or everyone who is into striving for excellence or striving in a game to win okay he says he's temperate in all things i'll explain all of that to you now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we are incorruptible next verse i therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight i not as one that beateth the air but i keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, Paul is saying so many things here. I'll explain it to you. I just want to show you for now the fact that we all we all have a race to run. You are in a race, whether you like it or not. And amazingly, some of us are walking in the race. It's a 200-meter dash. And some, some of us are walking comfortably. Waving our high heels and waving at the stands, spiritually speaking, when others are busily running, others are also waving. Oh, hello, how are you? Life is good. They are doing the peace sign, peace on everybody. Go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Brother, you're in a race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, whether you like it or not, there's a cloud of witnesses that are compassed. <laughs> they are there. They are always watching us. You know, in heaven, those in heaven can see us, whether we are in our bedrooms or in our bathrooms, wherever we are. They have full view, full access to all of us. So never say you're alone. You actually, you are never alone. <laughs> There's a whole cloud of witnesses. They are all witnesses. They are all watching. Okay? 
when you leave, when you leave this earth, you join that cloud of witnesses. You join the stands and watch those who have the baton and are carrying on the gospel to the next level, to the next generation. So he says, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about to so great a cloud. He says, like, be aware of the fact that you are never alone. There's a cloud of witnesses around you. Be aware of that. When they are giving you the scholarship, when the, the opportunity comes for you to steal, when the opportunity comes for you to do something wrong, when the opportunity comes for you to insult somebody, he says, remember that there's a cloud of witnesses around you watching you. Says, let me read it again. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses. Number one, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. A weight is something that slows you down. You know, at least have to wear tight stuff and short stuff and small stuff to have as little weight as possible in order for them to be able to run without anything dragging them. He says that there are things that can be weight for you. Do you see? Unnecessary things that you carry along in life. Things concerning in your past that you carry along. Someone did something wrong to you and you just can't forgive the person and continue. It has become so difficult for you to forgive this person to the extent that it is spoiling, it is destroying your future. It's been five years, you've not been able to forgive this person. Whenever you remember it, it breaks you down. And it breaks you down every time, every time you remember it. Anytime you see something along that line, you become some way. It's a weight. It's a weight. It's preventing you from going on. Something you did in times past that has gone on your conscience, like it's pricking your conscience every now and then. It says, leave every weight. Put everything as anything that will prevent you from running. Sometimes sleep, natural sleep can be a weight. You know that you're supposed to wake up at a certain time and do something for the Lord or pray and fellowship with the Lord and all of that. But then the sleep is too nice. So sleep can be a weight. Do you see? Sleep can be a weight. A lot of things can be weights. So he says, let us lay aside, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There's a sin that is like it will never leave you. It doesn't want to leave you. So the Amplifier says, it's cleverly deftly attaches itself to you. That's what the, the, the Amplifier says. It says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. Do you see? It's like, there's a particular thing that you say to the Lord, oh God, Abi, you know that. This, as for this one there, you know that this one is my little dog that I have in my life. I can't let it go. So you let's let's continue our life with it. This is lay that sin aside. Okay? Lay that sin aside. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. There's an appointed course that is set before you. Go back to the King James. And the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Everybody has a race, brother. You are in a race, whether you like it or not. You are in a race. Then he says, looking away from all that will distract. That's the next verse 2 in the Amplified. It says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. Then he says, he for the joy of obtaining the prize. He for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him endured the cross. 
despising the shame, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you imagine? There was a price. Jesus knew that he was on earth to fulfill God's purpose for his life. He had a race to run. He, the Bible says he despised the shame. He ignored the shame that he came with. He died the most shameful death you can think about, which was a death on the cross. That meant dying naked, stark naked. And he, he still went to it anyways. And died on the cross of Calvary. For what purpose? He says he had his eye fixed on the prize. There was a prize that he had his eyes fixed on. So he's telling you that you must look unto this Jesus who has gone ahead of us. Okay? And has fulfilled his cause and has gotten his prize and is now set down on the, on the right hand of God, on the throne of God. So there's a throne. He knew that there was a throne at stake for him. There was a crown at stake for him. He knew the prize. And the prize was more important than what he was facing in his present circumstance. So he ignored all that was happening around him and did what God wanted him to do. Remember, the night that he was arrested, he spent time praying and saying to God, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. He prayed about it three times because it was not an easy thing at all for him. It shows you that he was a human being just like you and I. You see, pray three times. Take this thing away from me. And God said, it is your cup. It is your cause. You have to take it. And he said, okay, I'll take it. He stood up and never said anything after because it was settled in the spirit. And he went all the way to the cross and died on the cross. The Bible says, and look unto him. He says, look away from everything that will distract. Look away from yourself. Look away from your family. Look away from your job. Look away from anything that will distract you from fulfilling your purpose. Unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Then he says, who for the joy. Go go to that place. Verse, uh, verse 2 in the, in the King James, please. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross for the joy he had. He knew that there was something that there was a certain joy that was unspeakable, that was full of glory that was going to come after he ran his race. It was a prize, a wonderful, powerful prize that he looked up to. Can you imagine there are a lot of Christians who don't think that there's a price to look up to? No, he wants to live in a certain way because there's a payment, there's a reward that nothing in this world can come close to, can be compared to. Nothing in this world can be compared to it. It's always difficult to express something um, that is not present. You can't compare something to something when that thing is not present. I don't know if you get it. It's just like uh, someone telling you um, that a certain country is very nice. Because you've not seen it, you, it, it, it doesn't cross you. Like you can't really you know, appreciate what's going on until you end up there. When you end up there, then you see that... Eh, I was living in darkness all this while. Brother, sister, where we are going here and what we are aiming for, what God has prepared for us, cannot be compared. There's nothing here on earth that can be compared to it. There's no apartment you can stay in that can be compared to that house that God is constructing for you. There's no price. There's nothing that you can have here on earth that can be compared to the prizes and the thrones and the crowns that God has prepared for you. There's nothing. And I pray that God will give all of us a revelation. You need a revelation of it. If you get a revelation of it, it starts checking you. Yeah, it starts checking you how you live your life here on earth. I pray for that God reveal it to you. Yeah, in a dream, in a revelation, as you read the word, in a vision. May God open your eyes. I pray that God will open your eyes, the eyes of your understanding, that you may know. That's what Paul prays for. 
you know in ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and 18 paul prayed about it go to ephesians 1 17. he says i pray that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling have you seen it he says i'm praying that the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, may be flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's an inheritance in you that is reserved for you, that cannot be compared to anything. He says, I pray that God will open your eyes, so that you will see what you are contending for, you see what you are striving for, if you knew what you are striving for. This is what the early church saw, and we are not afraid to sacrifice our lives because of the gospel. People believed and immediately they died because they, they, they knew that there was something great to live for. There was something great to die for. And they didn't care who said what. You know what we've believed in is things. It's something that people have died for. People have given their lives for. People were told to recount, renounce Christ. And they said, no, we prefer Christ than this world. Why did they do that? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. You will see some there. Let me show it to you. Let's read from verse 35. I think it's good from verse 35. It says, Women received their dead race to life, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Can you imagine? It says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They were being tortured, and they said, Oh, if you accept this, we'll allow you to we'll, we'll stop torturing you. And they said, No. Why? So that they can have a better resurrection. If they didn't think it was real. No, people don't just die for things. Though. People die for things they believe in and know it's real. And have evidence that it, it exists. They give their lives so that they may obtain a better resurrection. Look at the next verse. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. Some were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Can you imagine? And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received another promise. Then he goes on. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So all of these people are the ones who are on the stands. They are the cloud of witnesses. And they are cheering us on to continue with the word of God. Continue with the gospel. To share it with our people, with our generation. They paid for things with their life. Nobody is chasing you to kill you. Live for the Lord. Brother, live for the Lord. There's something at stake. There's something, there's a price. There's a price that cannot be compared to any. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I said there's a prize. So he says, run your race. Okay, run your race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's now set down. He's now seated. He's now enjoying but there were things he had to go through on earth for the sake of the gospel for the sake of bringing life to you and i so now that he's seated he's enjoying now he's going to ask you to what did you also do with your life what did you do for me how did you spend your life 
How did you spend your life? You see, so we can't afford to just lazy around. There's a race, and we are running that race, whether you know it or not. Let's look at Acts chapter 20, from verse 23. Acts 20, 23. This is Paul talking. Let's read 22, from 22 to 24. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost, or accept the Holy Ghost, witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or are with me. Can you imagine? He was going to Jerusalem, isn't it? And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, okay, through other people, other prophets, were telling him that bonds and afflictions are awaiting him in Jerusalem. But when he gets there, he will be arrested. And he was still going. Why? Because that was part of his race. It was part of his race to bring the gospel to Jerusalem at that time. He says, except the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or await me. Verse 24. Then he says, but none of these things move me. I don't care about what, whether they are bonds or afflictions. It makes no difference what is ahead of me. This one thing I know, that I have a cost and I must finish it. So he says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. This is my ministry that I've received. I'm supposed to testify of the grace of God. And I'm going to do it in Jerusalem as well because I'm supposed to do it there. Even though the Holy Spirit has said through many people that there are bonds and afflictions that await me there, I know that that same Holy Spirit has told me to go. And so I'm going. He knew he had a cause. But none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. The word course is race. I might finish my race with joy. He was ready to give his life to finish his race because it's a serious business. What we are talking about is serious business. It is not child's play. It's serious business. There's a race for you, brother. There's a race that you are running whether you know it or not. And at the end of the day, they'll check whether you had the prize or you did not have the prize. He says, don't you know that all run in a race, but only one obtains the prize. So run so that you may obtain. That's the first thing you need to do. After awakening to the fact that you have a race, you are in a race that you are running, the next thing you need to do is to now be cautious of the fact that you must win that race. And whatever you need to do to win that race, you must do. Paul knew that he had a race and he was ready to do anything, including not caring for his life. This is not to preachers, it's to every child of God. He didn't say in Hebrews chapter 12 that knowing that preachers are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let the preachers lay aside every weight. No, it's every child. There's a race set before every child of God. Every child of God has a race set before him. And we must all run our race to win. Don't just run, run to win. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read verse 24 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Knowing not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Run that you may obtain what? Obtain the prize. Let's look at the, the Amplified. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race, that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Run your race so that you may lay run your race in such a way that you may lay hold on the prize. And make it yours. Make it yours. Like I was saying, Paul knew his race. And he was ready to do anything to, just to win the prize. Go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. 
This is to every child. Remember, Jesus said that what I say to one, I say to all. Watch. You remember? Yeah. In Mark chapter 13. Okay, look at it. Mark 13. Let's read text 6 now to 37. It says, Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Then he says, And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. So it's not to preachers. He says, What I say unto you, I say unto all the preachers. Watch. No. It's everybody. Remember, he says, Son of man, I've made you a watchman. Everybody is a watchman. Whether you know it or you don't know it, whether you like it or you don't like it, why don't you know it? On that day, when you get there and they ask you, if you say, I don't know, I didn't know, okay, he will tell you, why didn't you know? So there are lashes for not knowing. Yes, in Luke, Luke chapter 24, I think, he talks about it. He says, the one who did not know, the servant who did not know, will be lashed with few stripes. Then he says, and the servant who knew his Lord's will and did not do his Lord's will, will be lashed with many stripes. Can you imagine that there are lashes for not finishing your race? Hey, what a shock. Okay, so let's read Luke 12, 45. Let's read from verse 45. It says, But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men, servants, and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware. Now, this, this is, has to do with servanthood. It has nothing. Forget that you are a son of God. That's not what we are talking about. It's on one side. This is on another side altogether. We are judged as servants, not as sons. And so on that day, we are, it's not sonship that we are thinking about. We are placed as sons on that day. But after that, then we are judged as servants. What did you do as a son? What did you do as a servant? So he says, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looked not for him. And at an hour when he is not aware. And will cut him in sunder. And will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Can you imagine? Next verse. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. So you are one of the people we are talking about right now. I'm sorry, but now you know. And that servant, go back to verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Next verse. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So even if you don't know, you say you'll be beaten. You'll still be beaten. So whether you know or do not know, there's a beating that will happen. So know and do. That's what he's trying to say. Know his will. You know now. Now do what he wants you to do. Hallelujah. Maybe it doesn't sound exciting, but that's the truth. I'm waking to that reality. Brother, it exists. It's a world that exists. And there are people who are functioning in it. <laughs> Moving and pushing to do what God wants them to do. So that on that day, they will not find themselves wanting. So that they will not have a body for eternity. That speaks and says how they live their lives here on earth. If there's anything called shame, that is shame. If you think you can be put to shame here on earth and you avoid, you are doing everything to avoid it here on earth, then you should know that the shame that is eternal is wilder than a shame that you can have physically speaking. And you must do everything to prevent yourself from having that shame. How? By living for the Lord and by working for him as you know he has called you to. Don't ignore the Lord's call. Don't. Don't at all. So go to Philippians chapter 3. Look at Paul's sacrifices. He was running to win. Paul knew that he had a race and he had to run to win. And he didn't care what it was. He was ready to spend his last life, the last drop of his life, to do something related to God's work. 
So he says, Yea, doubtless, Philippians 3 8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He wanted to win Christ, win the prize, which is Christ, inheriting Christ. We have Christ in us, but there's an inheritance called Christ that is different. Hallelujah. It says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He lost a lot of things, but he didn't care. Next verse. Verse 9. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. This one we have by God's grace. Then it says, that I may know him. I push so that I may know him. And I push so that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Be made conformable unto his death. What is he saying? I want to. I'm running so much. I'm pushing so much that I want to know him in reality. Not just know about the Lord. I want to know him. And there are sacrifices you make to get to know him. Sacrifices like waking up early to do some things. Opening your Bible instead of opening Facebook. All these things I've been telling you about, or talking to you about. It's an attempt to know Christ, to know him for yourself. Not know about him. You can know about him, but not know him. You know, there are a lot of preachers who know about him and preach about him, but have no idea of who he is. Yes. That's why he says, in that diminish as you want to be, Lord, Lord. Did I not do this in your name? Did I not do that in your name? Did I not do that in your name? It's Matthew chapter 7, from verse 22, if you remember. I started mentioning it to you. Go there. Matthew 7, 22. Go to 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Ah. Then he shall say unto them. Next verse. And then will I profess unto them. I never knew you. Can you imagine? They knew about him. They had the password. Which was his name. To do many things. Many miraculous things. But he says. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. I had no clue of who you are. Isn't it amazing? It's a very scary thing. I knew you not. And then we'll let profession to them. I knew you not. Depart from ye that work iniquity. Because if you, the more you get to know him, the more you live for him. Like you, Paul said that the love of Christ constrained us. It constrains me. The love that Christ had in our case, in my case, constrains me. The more you know that love, the more your life is constrained. You can't live for yourself. For with that judge that if one died, then we're all dead. And if he died, he died so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but should live for him that died and rose again. That's Second Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 14 to verse 15. You see, it says the love of Christ constrains us, it helms us in. It can be so it's not it's not about doing miracles and all of that. That is on one category. Okay? Huh. It starts with knowing him, getting to know him well for yourself. How do you know about somebody? How do you know somebody? Talk to the person. Spend time with the person. Spend time with the word of God. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. That's basically what he's talking about. So Paul said, that I may know him. And also to know the power of his resurrection. Okay? There's resurrection power that is inside us. <laughs> but you see, you can be a Christian and never have a clue. And never have any experience of that power that is inside. The resurrection power is inside us. He says that, that I'm praying that I'm pushing so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
Then he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to suffer like he suffered. Can you imagine? He loved the Lord so much that he wanted to experience what the Lord experienced. Suffer like he suffered. So Paul was ready. No matter what he went through, it made no difference to him. He wanted to know the fellowship. It's a fellowship. The participation of his sufferings. Then he says, be made conformable unto his death. I want to die like he died. Yeah, I want to conform unto his death. It's not just for preachers, so it's for everybody. A lot of people think that oh, this is this one is preachers. Paul is the one talking. No, it's for everybody. This is the race. It's actually for all of us. Getting to know him, getting to know his power, getting to know his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And Paul had another kind of desire altogether. Look at the next verse eleven. Then he says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Do you know what that means? The word resurrection here is not uh, anastasis, like you have resurrection in every other place. This one is ex anastasis, ex, then anastasis comes. That means to come against the resurrection or to have experience of the resurrection before the day of the resurrection. In other words, what he was saying was that he wants to so get to know the Lord that his contemplation will cause his body, this body of his, to put on the immortal body whilst he's alive. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Paul was talking about. He wants to have experienced the resurrection without dying or without the Lord coming. Because there are two ways you can have that. Okay, it's actually one way. One is through death and one is through the coming of the Lord. Okay, but he wanted to experience that before any of those things. Let's read the Amplify says that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection. That leads me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Have you seen it? Even while I'm in the body. She lifts me out of the dead. Even while I'm in the body. Wow. And he did everything. If you read in 2 Corinthians 11, you'll see some of the things that Paul went through. And they didn't care because he wanted to finish his course. Let's read some. Maybe it will be good for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read from verse 22. 2 Corinthians 11 from verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. At night and a day I have been in the deep. Or in the middle of the sea. In journeyings, often. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Verse 29. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I bear not? If I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Verse 32. In Damascus, the governor and the Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with the garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Wow! Do you know how Paul entered Damascus? He was entering Damascus on a horse with letters from the high priest to capture all Christians in Damascus and kill all of them. The Lord Jesus met him. 
on the road. He fell off his horse. He got blind. And he received a sight after Ananias had laid hands on him. Then he became born again and started preaching. Immediately he got born again. He preached so much in Damascus that everybody wanted, they wanted to kill him. And they, when they got to know they wanted to kill him, they had to let him down a basket. In a basket, down the wall. Paul was a lawyer of the law. He was a lawyer. That was his profession. That was how he ended up. Because he wanted to preach. He was supposed to preach. He knew his course. He knew his course. And he knew that there was something set at the end. There was a price for him to obtain. But there's a price for you and I to obtain. You must do everything. Go through everything. Sometimes some people say that, oh, we are not being wise in this earth. Why don't we have this and have that and have this and have that? Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Riches are important. They are good. They are very powerful. He died so that we might be rich. He says, for you yourself know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might become rich. He said that. He did that. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 is there. But then he lets you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added to you. There's, there are things that you seek first in your life. There are things that must be priority. He's talking about pro, the word first in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. It's proton. The word proton. It means first. The things that you do first. Matthew 6 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things which the Gentiles are looking for shall be added unto you. All the riches they are looking for shall be added to you. Like, when it comes to God, God is first. Okay? God is first. Husband, second. Wife, second. Children, second. Parents, second. Whatever else, second. He says, if you love them more than me, you don't deserve me. That's what he said. Sometimes it, it sounds uh, some way, but that is the truth. That is the truth. Do all you can to fulfill your cause. Run so that you may win. Now, after Paul had done all those things, just before he died, he says some things. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Timothy 4, from verse 6. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. This was before he died. Next verse. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Can you imagine? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said he had finished his course. He had finished his race. I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Have you seen it? It says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He was running with a crown in mind. With a crown of righteousness in mind. It's not everybody who runs who gets a crown of righteousness. It's those who run to win. He says, I have finished my course. Can you say that for yourself? Do you even know the course that you're supposed to go on? It's amazing. I've showed you the course we are on. You must preach the gospel. I've told you. We are ministers of reconciliation. We have to bring others to him. It's a general responsibility. We have to pray. Prayer is a responsibility we all have. We have to pray for kings. For men in authority. Pray for the country in which we live. Pray for the world. Pray for the salvation of souls. It's, our not, uh, it's, only, it's only children who always pray for things. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. You only go to church because you are going to get something. For yourself, physically speaking. No, there's responsibility that we need to accomplish. It's not every prayer meeting that we have to pray for things. No. 90% of the time we have to pray. Do our responsibility in prayer. 
and 10% of the time we make requests for ourselves. That's the truth. Hence, what is laid up for me? A crown of righteousness. Brother, there's a crown waiting for you. There's a crown waiting for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me show it to you. So we are doing it. So we see, that's the third thing I want to, third point I want to raise today. We are doing all of these things, running our race, so that we, we, we can receive an incorruptible inheritance. So go back to First Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at verse 25. It says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Let's read the Amplified of this. It's nice. Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. Have you seen it? That's, that's actually the next one. I wanted to skip it, but it's coming to me that I should mention it. He says, now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. The word temperate is engratumai. Okay? Engratumai. It means to exhibit self-government or self-control. You know, athletes don't do some things. Athletes don't eat certain types of foods. Ushimbos doesn't eat certain types of foods. He doesn't drink. Do you see? You don't do humanizing. Yes, if you want to be a good athlete, no humanizing. You don't do some things. No excesses. You keep your meals on a certain level. Hallelujah. That's what he's talking about. That, that's actually the Greek word. The Greek word means to abstain, to govern yourself to the point that you're able to abstain from certain things, from certain foods, certain drinks, certain things, activities, so that you can be fit for the race. Because there are things that you do that does not make you fit for the race. I don't know if you get it. So Paul said that I don't run as one who is running uncertainly. Go to the next verse. Verse 26. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air, striking without an adversary. Next verse, verse 27. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others a gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. Have you seen it? Mean, I don't know if you are getting what he's saying. What he's saying is that after preaching the gospel to everybody, okay, I myself could be a castaway. The word castaway is adokimos. That's a Greek word. It means to declare unfit. Unapproved. Because I didn't handle my body right. As a preacher, I didn't handle my body right. I was allowing my body to engage in all kinds of things whilst I preached. I don't know if you get it. Uh-huh. Meaning that if you don't handle your body well, if you don't discipline your body well, the race is now and void. You can't win your race. How can you run with a, with a big tummy? It's not going to work. It's, not going to, it's just not going to work. How, can you, how, can, how are you going to run when you are uh, 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 500 pounds or 300 kilograms? How is that going to work? You, have, you, you can't run a 100 meter dash and win. You can run, but you will take 25 minutes in covering 100 meters. Is it true? Yeah. yeah. And you will certainly not win because the other athletes are 52 kilograms and you are 300 kilograms. It's not going to work. So what he's saying is that your walk is tied to your work. You can't ignore your walk. You can't say, well, I'm doing whatever I want to do in my, it's my life. It's my body. I can do whatever I want to do. It's mine. What? 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 
And then after that, you come and come and preach. And so the Lord is with you. Begin to receive it now. He says, after I've preached unto you the gospel, I myself should be a castaway. So I beat my body. I handled it roughly. I'm temperate in all things so that on that day I'll not be declared a counterfeit. Is it not amazing? Wow. So preaching the gospel is not a, it's not a cover-up. Miracles is not a cover-up. <laughs> on that day, it says that all the things that are hidden will be brought to light. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 5. It says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Let's read the Amplified. It's nicer. So do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims and motives and purposes of hearts. Then every man will receive his due commendation from God. So it's not what we do on the surface. Yes, we are doing things. We are preaching the gospel. We are doing all kinds of things. So Paul, when he came to this, Paul said he's not even sure of himself. When it came to this particular thing, because he doesn't know, maybe he did something that he was not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Do you see? So, he's expecting you to discipline yourself. Discipline. Don't be like every other person. They are all smoking, so you are also smoking. They are all boozing, so you are also boozing. They are all sleeping with their girlfriend, so you are also sleeping with your girlfriend. That is not right. That culture that Hollywood is shoving down our throats. Of living with your the movie is called moving in moving in principle we are not married but then you move in with me and I move in with you and then we stay together do you know in Penaware uh, it's true for friends with benefits we are we are just friends we are seeing if it will work if we are seeing if it will work what are you doing in my in my room <laughs> how can you put a coal of fire in your bosom and not expect to be bent how is that? It's not, it's not right. It's not right. It's not scripture. But it's being shown. Almost every movie has it. It's either, it's either uh, that is in the movie, or you have some gay something in the movie, some lesbian something in the movie. Almost all the services that we have are like that. And we are busy watching it. You don't know it's seeping into your heart. It's seeping into your heart. God, it's, you, all of a sudden, it will not become a big deal. It's not, it's not a big deal. I mean, this one is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Even cartoons, are, they are having it in cartoons now. It's amazing. So Paul says, Dis- I discipline myself. Do you see? I discipline myself so that I will not be a caster. I know my enemy. My enemy is my body, my own body. I beat, I handle it roughly. Your body requests for things. And tell it, brother, we are not going, <laughs> you lie bad. I'm running a race. I'm winning my race. Forget it. Forget it. It's like someone will say, forget it. We are not going along this line. Yeah, go go to Romans chapter thirteen. Where we're reading, if you remember, we were reading Romans chapter thirteen. Let's read verse thirteen into fourteen. Romans thirteen thirteen to fourteen. It says, "Let us live." This is in the Amplified. Let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly, as in the open light of day, not in rebellion. This thing is so important to God. Like how you live, what you do with your body is so important to God. I know we've preached grace, uh, so you think that, oh, it's not a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's a problem. 
Because you are losing so much. You are losing so much. You are losing your health. There are plenty of things. Losing so much because, oh, God will forgive. You have only been thinking along the line of God and forgiveness and Father. That's for children. The other one is there. Our service. He wants us to live for him. He says, let us live and conduct us, ourselves honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day. Not in reveling, carousing and drunkenness. Not in immorality and debauchery, sensuality and licentiousness. Not in quarreling and jealousy. Verse 14. But clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah and make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify his desires. Have you seen it? He says, put on Christ so that you will not make provision for it, indulging the flesh. Because your flesh can destroy your life. That's what he's trying to tell you. Makes no difference what happened in your past. Don't think about your past. Okay, go back to Philippians chapter 3. Paul says something about his past that you need to get to know. Philippians chapter 3, I was supposed to have read it to you, but I stopped reading there, so... Go back then. Philippians uh, 3. Let's read from verse, uh, from verse 12. He says, not, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Jesus. I don't know if you understand. He says that I am pushing to get to know why Christ called me. Some more. So that I can run my race and fulfill his purpose some more. I don't count myself as someone who has finished his course and finished at this time who has finished his course and finished what he's supposed to do no i don't count myself like that but i follow after if that i may apprehend that for which also i'm apprehended of christ verse 13 then it says brethren i count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind or which are past and reaching forth unto those things which are before or which are in the future go back Let's read the Amplified of this. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Next verse. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Have you seen it? What is he saying? He says, it doesn't matter. So I don't know what you did in your past. Today is what is most important. Today and tomorrow and the next day and the days ahead is what is most important. Don't cry over spilt milk. You can't do anything about it. You can't use it anymore. Don't say, hey, so what, what will happen? What happened? Don't, don't send that question. I'm answering it now. What, what, what will happen to me? My, like what, how about my past? The things that I did in my past that's happened. You can't do anything about it. You can't go into the past to go and do it. Paul had things in his past. Paul had killed Christians. He had done all kinds of things. He says, there's this one thing I do. If there's anything I do, there's this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are past. I press forward. I push forward. That's what you need to do. So don't think I don't say, oh my past is my past was some way. We are where don't even bring us into knowledge concerning your past. We don't want to know. God doesn't want to, you to remind him. He has forgotten about it. Let's move on. What are you going to do from today onwards? Make a choice. Make a decision for yourself today. That from today onwards, I'll live for the Lord. From today onwards, I'll run my race. From today onwards, I'll do what God wants me to do. That's what you need to do. Not think about the past. Go back to the King James. Philippians 3.14 I pressed all the mark for the prize. Let's read 13 into 14. 
Brethren, I can't know myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark. I press toward the finished mark for the prize of the high calling. There's a prize, brother. There's a prize. There's a price that you see. One sometimes we mention crown of righteousness, like oh, it's, it's a crown. It's nice. You have no idea of what it means. You have no idea. The fact that you have belittled it shows your spirituality. Your spirituality shows your spirituality. This is what God has prepared for us from eternity past. And you read about it and you say, "Wait, well, it's one of those things. We can afford to lose it." Okay. Yes, there are Christians who talk like that and think like that. We can afford to lose oh, this. Oh, we can't lose. Shall I go do? I mean, nobody, everybody, go get them. It's not everybody who get these things. Let's, let's, <laughs> hallelujah. It's a problem. It's a problem. So let me mention them to you. We are doing it to receive a crown, right? To receive an incorruptible inheritance. Look at First Peter chapter one, verse three to verse five. Brother, it's it is so much. There's so much. I don't know if I'll be able to go through all of them with you. So they are, I wrote that there are thrones at stake, there are crowns at stake, and there are rewards at stake. And I have about 20 scriptures on that. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Next verse. To an inheritance. Incorruptible. Do you understand when we say Incorruptible. Let's read the Amplified. Born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change and decay. No matter what um, you get here on earth, it is subject to decay and change with time. Even our husbands are subject to decay and change with time. So are our wives. You can have the prettiest wife. You can marry Miss Universe today. Give yourself 20 years. You'd be surprised that she will not be Miss Universe anymore. She'll be Miss Backyard. <laughs> Everything is subject to change. But there's a crown. There are rewards for us that are incorrect. It is not subject to change. Then it says, imperishable, unsolid, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. Unsolid. Un- Do you understand unsolid? Incorruptible. That's what he's talking about untarnished in any way it is fine <laughs> go back to king james to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away reserved in heaven for you listen there are crowns reserved in heaven for you there are thrones reserved in heaven for you there are rewards reserved in heaven for you there are medals reserved in heaven for you and they are all waiting you see when you start a race eh, it's not when you start the race that they start doing the crown Oh, they don't they don't do that. The cup is there. Oh the medals are there. Everything is there waiting for who win. When you win and they give it to you, he says that he has finished. That's what it was there. God has finished it. Can you imagine that there are thrones that are empty today? There are thrones that people have gone to heaven. You should be interested in books concerning heaven. You see, you, you are always interested in certain types of books. Add add heaven type of books to it. Like, read people's accounts. Read correct people's account of heaven. Don't, don't read all kinds of things, okay? Read correct people. Look for Jesse Duplantis' experience of heaven. Look for Rick Joyner's experience of heaven. Look for some of these wonderful people. 
Eh? They will tell you some of the things they saw. There are things that are reserved and thrones that are empty because those who came here on earth and were supposed to, the, the, the throne was set for them to go through their race, finish their race, win their race and sit on that throne. As Jesus finished his race and sat on the throne, they couldn't sit on that throne because they didn't do what they didn't first of all they didn't find out what they were supposed to do they didn't know what they were supposed to do and they didn't do it so their thrones are empty can you imagine that there are thrones that can be merged so if you run your race listen the bible talks about Saul do you know Saul's calling God called Saul to be king over Israel and to establish his kingdom forever it wasn't David actually but Saul did not do what was supposed. He was not running his race right. He was disobeying God left, right, center. God got angry with him and spoke to him through the prophet Samuel. When Samuel was going, after he had spoken the, the judgment of God to, to him, as he was going, he held his robe and the robe tore in his hand. He held Samuel's robe and his robe tore into his hand. And Samuel turned and said, Just as this robe has torn from my skirt, so has the Lord torn the kingdom of Israel from you. Because he had prepared to establish your kingdom forever. But because of your disobedience, you are not going to inherit it. And he lost it forever. And he said, he went on to say that God has prepared, he has found a, a better neighbor than you. So there are better neighbors. There are people who are ready and willing to do what you want to do. And you will see them inherit your crown. You'll be surprised. Jesus said it. Take it so that nobody takes your crown. Because someone can take your crown. Revelation 3, 11. He says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast. Let that no man take thy crown. Have you seen it? He says, Hold fast what you have so that nobody will take your crown. Because someone can take your crown. You can be denied. Yeah. Different groups can take your crown. Different things. Yeah. One foolish boy entering your life can deny you of certain crowns. Yeah. One foolish girl entering your life can deny you of your crown. She says, take it so that no man take your crown. Some laziness can deny you of your crown. Yeah. So this is serious business. Don't joke with Don't joke. When it comes to these things, you can joke with every other thing. When it comes to these things, don't joke with it because it's serious business for God. And it means everything that he's talking about. He means it. So there are, there are things reserved, reserved for us. Look at Colossians 3. I think you'd like to hear this. Colossians 3 from verse 23. It says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done. And there is no respect of persons. There is no respect of persons with God. There is no respect of persons. And I want to show you some scriptures along that line. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. Look at Deuteronomy 10, 16. It says, if you do what you're supposed to do, he'll give you your reward. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, you'll not get your reward. That's what he's saying. Then he says, there's no respect of persons with God. You can't stand before him on that day and say, oh, oh God, have you forgotten about me? It's me, oh. It's me that we are talking about. I've forgotten. I'm bishop. Whether you are bishop, archbishop, archpope, makes no difference. There's no respect of persons with them. It says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. Deuteronomy 10, 16. And be not stiff-necked. Verse 17. For the Lord your God is, is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regarded not persons, nor taketh reward. 
He does not regard persons or take reward. Let's read Amplified. It will help us. 18. For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the terrible God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He takes no what? He doesn't take He doesn't take bribe. So on that day, you can't give bribe. I've been telling you. What will you give in exchange for your soul? You can't. There's nothing you can give. What are you going to give that all? Uh, Angel Michael. Uh, you, you see, yes, you can take this $20 for her. <laughs> Brother, there's nothing like that. Oh, I'm just, let me just oil your hands a little. He does not take bribe. You see, and this is mentioned at least 10 times in the scriptures. I don't have time to show you. There's nothing you can say or do that can reduce like, like oh, because, oh, well, okay, we've changed our mind because of one or two things. This person can now have the crown and the throne come and kneel down. <laughs> and then God, no, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. He's a just God. He says, on that day we shall review. Then we shall know every man shall have due praise, due commendation. Due commendation. We will be praised, but everybody will be praised according to what he did. Wow. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 7. It's a similar thing there. Second Chronicles 19, 7. Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God. No respect of persons. No nor taking of gifts. Or taking of bribe. Hmm? Amplified. So now let the reverence and fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed what you do. For there is no injustice with the Lord our God. Or partiality. Or taking of bribes. There is no taking of bribes with him. So he says be careful what you do. How you live your life. Hallelujah. So their thrones are stake. Hmm? Look at Matthew chapter 19. Their thrones are stake. They are thrones that we are supposed to sit on. They are there, waiting. Will you run your race? Will you finish your course? By the power of the Holy Ghost, you will run your ways. And you will finish your course. Grace to run your ways and grace to finish your course is released upon you. As you hear this message in the name of the Lord Jesus. The strength to do what God wants you to do is released upon you. Grace to do what God wants you to do. Grace to have your mind changed is released to you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Grace to run having that prize on your eyes set before you constantly is released to you right now. Grace to be conscious, to awaken to this reality is released to you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 19 verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we are forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? He told Jesus, We've left all and followed you. What are we going to have? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in, in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the apostles were told which thrones were going to sit on because they had lived, they had followed the Lord. Look at Luke, Luke chapter 22, verse 28. A similar thing is written there with more explanation. Luke 22, 28. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my father has appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Have you seen it? Since you have followed me in my temptations, you have been with me in all my troubles. You followed me, you've gone with me, so I'm appointing unto you thrones. For us too, they are thrones. Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. Look at Revelation 24. And I saw thrones. 
and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them if you have been listening to what i've been sharing with you what i was talking about the second coming of christ i mentioned this and i told you that all those who do what god wanted them to do have thrones to sit on and on that day they shall all sit on their thrones the throne is for judgment when you sit on a throne it means that you're coming to give judgment kings don't sit on their throne for from morning till evening do they only god sits on the throne throughout because he's always judging he's always giving judgment but kings sit on thrones for that for one purpose to give judgment so on that day we'll sit on our thrones set for judgment remember we'll judge angels if you remember it's not every christian who will be part of the judgment of the angels it's not every christian who will be part of the judgment issuing judgment on earth when we come back with him if you remember it's only those who did what god wanted him to do the other ones who sit on those thrones revelation chapter 3 verse 21 look at revelation 3 21 he says to him that overcometh will i grant to sit with me in my throne even as i also overcame and i'm set down with my father in his throne so actually the thrones we have and will be sitting on are jesus's throne do you see which is god's throne so god's throne is so big and so wide that so many of us can sit on it so our throne is actually an extension of his throne i don't know if you get it uh-huh our throne is an extension of his throne when you overcome he says you sit with me in my throne like i overcame and i'm set in the throne of my father wow i don't know whether you want to miss these things you will never understand until you appear there when you appear there you will see the extent the gravity of what you are talking about it may not be seen and i said i'm praying that god will give you an understanding of some of these things to help you to help the eyes of understanding to be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints there's a riches of the glory the glory that glory that cannot be cannot be compared to anything is waiting for you and i live for the lord work for the lord and watch what will happen with you when you check out of this world there are those who check out this world crying and there are those who check out of this world highly excited happy with joy because they know that they live their lives well here on earth which category are you going to be in i prophesy that you'll be in the category of those who run their race and fulfill their course to the glory of god lift up your hands wherever you are and thank god for what he has shared with you in the next two minutes thank him bless his name for blessing you for sharing these things with you father we are grateful father we are thankful thank you for wisdom thank you for, for understanding from on high thank you for the power of your word the gravity of your word the power of your word the flow of your word we are grateful we are thankful thank you for this word that is working in our hearts we'll live for you we'll live for you every single day of our lives we'll live for you we'll live for you lord in the name of the lord jesus god bless you for listening we pray that the word of god will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word kindly follow pastor t and love economy church on all social networks for more of god's word don't forget to subscribe to the pastor t podcast simply search for pastor t on any podcast app plug in and enjoy god's word visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information god bless